while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your calls and messages on the WBSM app chat. Um, we had a great show last night, and we're looking to have a great one um, tonight as well. At the 8 o'clock hour, I'm going to be joined by Ross Grace. Uh, he is a member of the New Bedford School Committee. And, um, he's an, he is the, he's a member of the New Bedford school committee and he, um, just getting these, some of these app chat messages are, are kind of funny. So that's what I was laughing at. Uh, Ross is a member of the New Bedford school committee and he is, um, he had some thoughts on the possibility of superintendent, uh, Thomas Anderson, um, departing, going to Newton, being recruited basically from New Bedford to go uh, to Newton, um, to the Newton public school system. And so I'm um, looking forward to speaking with Ross. I, I think that we could do better here on South Coast tonight to feature more um, education issues. Uh, you know, we started that a little bit with um, the, you know, the ongoing discussion about Vogue Tech, but... I mean, I'd also like to continue that conversation with um, uh, members of the, just continue a conversation with members of school committees really throughout the South Coast to just um, talk about local education issues. So, but I'm looking forward to talking with Ross and hearing from him about, uh, uh, you know, about what, you know, the direction of the New Bedford Public Schools and and Superintendent Anderson and that. So he's going to join us in the eight o'clock hour. So we'll hear from him then. We'll hear from you at 508-996-0500. That's he can join us. Uh, Adam Bass is currently at the New Bedford City Council meeting. I think a fairly unspectacular meeting. Uh, there's definitely been more exciting ones just looking at the agenda. But I think a couple of important items. Uh, Adam's going to come here, probably write his piece. And then after, if he has a minute or two, hopefully he can join us to talk about what he saw um, at the uh, at the at the um, at the city council meeting. So that's what we got on tap for today. Tomorrow, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow is going to join us at the top of the seven o'clock hour. He's got sort of a, an announcement to 
make about the sheriff's department about some uh you know stuff that they're doing so we'll talk to him about what's going on over there it's a lot to feature there and uh i think um you know i appreciate sheriff Earl coming on so he'll be on tomorrow with with chris and me interesting story at the top of the hour that i wanted to talk about a little bit um maybe it's a broader conversation but I don't know if you saw the Massachusetts Senate. So every year, uh, we talked a bit about uh, a little bit about this with Chris Hendricks. <clears throat> but every year, the the state legislature votes on the rules. So each chamber, the House and the Senate, have rules, rules on how they will govern. So uh, those rules are set, and they're there for two years. So there's typically a rules debate. Um, usually, like Chris said, there's people that come in, they want to make a mark. So what they do is they, you know, they file a, they file an amendment changing the rules. I had a, I had a state rep from Somerville a couple of years ago saying that they want, um, that she wanted to make, uh, you know, voting records a little bit more transparent, uh, committee, uh, voting a little bit more transparent. So she had proposed that it didn't go through. Typically the rules don't change very much, Right. They like the way they do business, and unless they have to, they don't want to upset the apple cart. And it feels like things have been going fairly well for Massachusetts. So I guess that's reasonable. Interesting what happened today, though, is Mike Rodericks, from uh, the chairman of Ways and Means from uh, Westport, um, friend of the show, he came on. We had a great hour-long conversation with him back in, like, September. He had actually broken some statewide news, you know, about the um, economic development bill and the 62F and the in the uh, in the tax relief checks and all of that. Uh, great guy. He filed an amendment today or a couple days ago. I think it was a couple days ago. He filed an amendment to abolish the term limits for Senate president. So he's not the Senate president. He's the chairman of Ways and Means. I would say that's, you know, that's the most powerful committee in the uh, in the Senate, I would say, probably. But Karen Spilka is the, the president of the Senate. She's from Ashland. She is the Senate president, has been for some time. But... The House Speaker doesn't have term limits. None of the House leadership positions have term limits. None of the constitutional offices in Massachusetts, so governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, auditor, uh, treasurer, none of them have term limits. Really, none of the... There's no offices that I can think of in Massachusetts that are term limited no elected offices that i can think of da sheriff mayor etc unless certain towns i guess want to set their own parameters on that so this isn't a term limit for office it's a term limit for a leadership position which is a little bit different and so that vote passed uh, i believe it was 32 32 to 6 32 to 6, so all three of the Republican, all three, the Republican caucus in the uh, the Senate, I I joke about this all the time, but the Republican caucus in the Senate is three people. Um, So all three of them, Minority Leader Bruce Tarr, 
Patrick O'Connor, a senator from Weymouth, and Senator Ryan Fatman uh, from Sutton voted to keep the term limits in place. And uh, for Democrats, John Keenan of Quincy, Becca Rausch of Needham, who had a uh, pretty tough sledding but ended up getting reelected, Becca Rausch, Walter Timothy of Milton, um, all voted against it. Nobody spoke out against it. Rodericks was the only, because Rodericks filed the amendment, he was the only senator to speak on the issue during the session. He said the, the Senate president's, basically the Senate president um, being the lone legislative leader in between the House and the Senate and even the governor with uh, term limits um, is a hindrance on the negotiation, the ability for them to negotiate. Uh, that, you know, the governor doesn't have a term limit and the the House doesn't have any term limits, so why should the Senate have term limits? Um, I think that's a fairly reasonable thing putting forward to put forward. I would obviously think that Senator Rodericks did this on behalf of uh, um, Senate President Spilka um, because she's not going to file that amendment himself, uh, herself. But I think a pretty, I think a pretty reasonable... Um, argument. I think there's probably a little bit more to it than that, um, you know, because there are certain ways that, uh, you know, there's the public reasons for doing something and then there's the more internal stuff. And I'm just totally speculating. I have no inside information on this, but, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think could be, well, I mean, I, I think it stands to, it's just a broader conversation people always have. Should legislatures be term limited? Should legislative leadership be term limited? I don't think members, I don't think legislators in general should be term limited. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of experience that you can, I mean, there are certain, there, there maybe is a certain point. It's kind of a, it's kind of tough because you, you think there maybe is a certain point that legislators, you know, maybe should step aside, but I think there's a lot of experience, Right. Uh, experience really matters a great deal when you're the legislator. There's certain maneuvers, there's certain rules, there's certain tactics that you get privy to with experience over time. Remember, you heard Tony Cabral talking about how, you know, there was some, um, you know, there was basically some uh, language that was sent to, you know, that was sent back and he had said shelf it because we already, we don't need that. You know, just, there's just like little nuances in legislating that they're tricks that you pick up on with experience over time. So I'm not a supporter of term limits for legislators. I'm more of a, I I am more of a supporter for executive branch positions and I'm not like totally sold on all of it. Uh, You know, necessarily I know, you know, obviously Sheriff Harrell that made that a big issue of his during his campaign against Sheriff Hodgson because Sheriff Hodgson had been there for 25 years. He had said, I'm going to do one or two terms as, um, as sheriff. And Hodgson had said, you know, this is a profession. If people looked at it like a profession, um, then I'm just, you know, that's, they wouldn't, you know, if I were just an appointed rather than if I was just a hired rather than an elected position, then people wouldn't even be talking about whether or not we should have limits or I should be there as long as I should be. But 
I, I'm not sure if that was the central issue in the election. And maybe I think there was obviously a non-zero amount of people who went went to the polls and said, okay, well, somebody else, because this guy's been here for 25 years. I think there's a there's an appreciable, probably an appreciable number of people who did that. I think there is for anybody that's been in office for a long time. Say, okay, well, somebody else, because this guy's been here a long time. But for executive branch, I think it's a little bit different. Obviously, term limits for president is, a, you know, something that... I support, right? Uh, term limits for president is something that I think you should support. Term limits for members of Congress, I don't know. Um, you know what I, I think is, is some, you know, isn't talked out, uh, talked about that much is term limits for the judiciary. Here in Massachusetts, once you're 70 years old, you have to step down from the bench. I think that's a good rule. Uh, I think that's one that's that's worth keeping in uh, keeping in place. But I think you know when you're picking legislative leaders, there's a few. I think you know reason. I think there's probably a, a couple reasons why Spilka. You know they got rid of that term limit rules for Spilka. One of those reasons being they like the job she's doing. Right, they're fine with the job she's doing, or at least a majority of them are fine with the job she's doing. Number two is um, there's probably you know, it's a smaller body. My guess is there's probably the Senate president has a lot of power, right? They have the gavel, which means they can pick the legislation that comes to the floor or doesn't come to the floor. And perhaps equally as important, they can they set the committees. They're the ones that set the committees. They give out the chairmanships. They give out the chairmanships to everybody. So a change in that leadership means a change in those chairmanships and those committee appointments. So it could be a situation in which, you know, by and large, the 32 senators who voted for it are okay with the way things are going, have, you know, probably more or less happy with the committee appointments they have and the chairmanships they have, and... Um, are generally fine with the, the the direction of the chamber, and so they move forward with that. I don't know if having term limits for a legislative leadership is good or not. I mean, there has been some discussion about that in Congress. If you will remember, Nancy Pelosi, when she became speaker, she was Speaker of the House for the. Uh, Nancy Pelosi got elected, uh, you know, got elected Speaker of the House in 2006 after that big Democratic wave in the final years of the Bush administration. People were sick of Bush. They had um, a big wave year. They got they took both chambers, the Democrats. And then for the first time since, I think, uh, 94, they had the House. Nancy Pelosi was Speaker for the last two years of Bush and the first two years of Obama. Then, obviously, John Boehner took over after the Republican wave in 2010. Then Paul Ryan uh, took over after John Boehner retired. And then Nancy Pelosi got to take the gavel again in 2018 after the Democrats won back the House in that Trump midterm year. Um, Major, you know, major gains. So there was discussions with um, Speaker Pelosi because they were members of her own caucus, frankly, her own legislative caucus, a lot of new progressives uh, that was, you know, AOC and them had said, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to 
vote in Nancy Pelosi. They thought it was time for a new leadership. It's a new Congress. Maybe there should be somebody different. A lot of people don't like Nancy Pelosi. She is, you know, uh, a lot of, I think a lot of people thought she was an albatross. She's very, you know, not, like I said, not a lot of people liked her, but they struck a deal where she said she was going to do four years and then she was going to step down basically in exchange for her, in exchange for their votes. She was going to step down. I think she's made some committee appointments too. It wasn't, um, I didn't think she was going to. I think actually if the Democrats had maintained the hold of the hold of the house, I don't think she was going to I don't think she was going to hand the gavel over to Hakeem Jeffries. I think she would have held held on held on to it. But I guess to her we'll never know, so to her credit, she did step down from leadership after 4 years. The Democrats had you know, the Democrats had decided that you know, there it was time for some fresh faces for the party um that Maybe they thought Nancy Pelosi was pretty effectively used as a boogeyman or Steny Hoyer was, right? Effectively used as a boogeyman. So they wanted some younger, more diverse, uh, you know, younger, more diverse leadership caucus to run the party. But that was a decision that was done basically internally. Um, I, I guess I think... And, you know, there's a lot of conversations now because there was a, a report in Politico today on the in the playbook from Lisa Kaczynski. It was on the show last week. But that Warren and Markey decided they're going to run. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey decided they're going to run again. They said this a long time ago. Um, they said it early. Warren said it like a year ago. She's starting to say it more. She said it in a recent appearance with John Keller. She said, this is why I'm committed to running again and all of that. Getting that back in the news cycle, saying, hey, I'm running again, I'm running again. Uh, Ed Markey is committed to running again in 2026. I think Ed Markey is going to be 80. Um, so there's like, in, there's some discussions on whether or not they should step down. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is 74 years old, although she's, or I think she's 74, 73. She's pretty vigorous, though. Um, she's, you know, doesn't look like she has really any signs of slowing down. So I don't know if it's actually an issue, but... I think there are, you know, as arguments being put forward that there should be some new blood in there. Um, and there's been rumor circulating that Congressman Jake Auchincloss, who was on last night, is looking to run for Senate, right? And um, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley is also looking to run for higher office. Ayanna Presley has been floated as a name running for higher office for quite some time i think it was largely thought that she would run if if um if warren or, or markey didn't step down there was some talk about her running against markey if joe kennedy didn't do it it was speculated actually that joe kennedy ran against markey because he thought he could win and he didn't want an open seat where he'd have to run against more healy or Ayanna presley so there's some discussion around it um warren said you know she's committed to running again because she's committed to staying in the fight Right. She wants to stay in the fight. There's things that she wants to do. There's work that she wants to do. And she wants to see that work through. I think that's reasonable. Um, I think if you're there and you think you're doing a good job, you should stay. I mean, the the thing is, is she had some polling that came out. It wasn't super, super favorable. Um, the mass Inc. polling that came out on her it was like 42 percent of statewide. I think it was like 42 percent of people viewed her publicly and less than 50 thought she should run again. 
the the thing is with that with that though is that sixty six percent of Democrats, I think two thirds of Democrats said that she should run again. And if two thirds of Democrats say she should run again, she's obviously going to she's obviously going to run again, and she's probably going to win because it's the Democrats that really decide the direction of this of this state, and the Republicans aren't in a position as of now where they can run a serious candidate that people would even think about casting their ballot for. Most people would think about casting their ballot for. I mean, the guy that ran last time against Ed Markey, Kevin O'Connor, seemed like a good guy, really successful guy, a lawyer and all of that, but really, you know, not a profile of a of a, of a Senate candidate, right? Um, not the profile of someone like Liz Warren or Ed Markey, which is what you need, right? A, you know, a, a somebody with... Probably some uh, lengthy public sector experience or some really high profile private sector experience. You know, they're not in a position where they can run somebody more serious against Warren. So she's going to two thirds of Democrats think she should run. She's going to run. She's going to win. So she's going to end up serving at least 18 years uh, as a senator, because if she runs in 2024, she's not getting primaried, most likely, and she's going to win. There has been chatter from Congressman. There's been chatter about Congressman Jake Auchincloss, like I said, who's here, who's been a good friend of the show and a good friend of my old show, too, um, who, you know, was a young guy. Marine has been appointed to some high profile positions talking about um, China, right? Uh, the China committee that he was just appointed to uh, with uh, Congressman Seth Moulton, too. Um, Ayanna Presley who was, uh, you know, obviously one of the higher profile uh, it, uh, members in that freshman class in 2018, who's been, who was member of that progressive squad with AOC and Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Uh, she beat Mike Capuano, uh, you know, really made a, a, a big national profile for herself. But, you know, despite their, their credentials, they're unable to move up at all because Elizabeth Warren and Markey have a vice grip um, on that seat. I mean, Joe Kennedy, frankly, I think Joe Kennedy didn't run a great campaign. Uh, I mean, I, I got some friends that were, were involved and uh, I, you know, on a personal level, you know, you know, you guys know, I uh, actually wanted him to win. Um, but he didn't, I don't think, ran a, 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 an effective campaign, didn't get his messaging out there in an effective way, and took some opportunities and squandered it, um, unfortunately. But, you know, I think you're seeing these people with that are building up these high profiles, and it doesn't look like they have a lot of upward mobility in the near future because you've got people that, you know, aren't, move, aren't moving on. And maybe they don't have to. If everybody's, I guess, satisfied, then they're satisfied. Um, but... You know, I think it's a conversation worth having. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you on the, your comment about two-thirds. Uh, if she's got two-thirds, I mean, uh, that I'd definitely go myself. I mean, uh, yeah. there, there's 1.5 million registered Democrat voters. That's a million voters right there. Um, there's only 500, about 50,000 Republicans registered. And, of course, uh, the independents are uh, 2.4 million. Yeah. So, I mean, she's got a lion share going into this thing. <laughs> she does well, nothing. Well, yeah, the thing is, is it's, it's two-thirds, so it's like less than 50% of the whole state, but it's two-thirds of Democrats. So if it's two-thirds of Democrats, 
she's you know that's it she doesn't need she doesn't need the republicans right the republic it doesn't matter what the republicans say and they'll they'll be in, she'll pick off enough independents to get that a, to be elected it's very, yeah, very close to a lock because the independents have had terrible turnout records the last few elections so they, yeah. they might be 2.4 million registered but in anywhere close to that comes out yeah at all so um and the, uh, the, uh, the Republicans, they don't, they don't draw very well off of the, uh, the big, well, well, they haven't, big independent vote. That's part of it, too. Like, her, her polling numbers statewide don't even matter because if she's popular enough with Democrats, because Republicans can't run um, a serious candidate right now. They're not in a position to do that. So if they, whoever they, I mean, unless someone comes out of the woodwork that we've never seen before, um, and, you know, they don't really have the numbers in the state legislature. Like, there's Scott Brown's not walking through that door. Um, <laughs> he's not walking through that door. He went to New Hampshire and declared that New Hampshire is yeah. my really my home state. Yeah, it's and he lost that. He lost that one this too. Is where, this is where I wear my bull jacket shirts and everything, and I get my hunting license up here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he did that, and uh, Warren came out of the Midwest and found herself in Massachusetts. Hillary yeah. came out of the Midwest, found herself in New York. New York. Clutch. Yeah. I'll never run for politics or political life, but Christ, she's been everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What, what, what hasn't she taken? I mean, John Kerry's another one. He throws his medals symbol. Those are symbolic medals. I got my real ones. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, he throws them over the fence, and then, and then he becomes Secretary of State. Ain't getting me. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is all plugged in. But in Elizabeth Warren's case, she got the real numbers. Yeah, these are not. You're not throwing um, like. Well, we surmise this is oh, you, you're right there. Uh, well, what, what, no, you, uh, she's, she's a lock. She's not doing anything to upset Democrats anyway. By and large, she's got the she's got the support of the the state party. She's got the support of the national party. You know, she wants to run again. She's running again, and she's winning. That's right. I mean, she's the Tom Brady of uh, what she's doing. And uh, Mackey's not far behind her. Yeah. How long has he been around? 46 years now? Yeah, he was a congressman and up until 2013, won that special election when John Kerry got tapped for Secretary of State. So he's been in Washington total for about 50 years. Um, That's if, it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, what's yeah. The guy? He throws he throws a cot in his mom's home, and uh, that's his residence. In Massachusetts. <laughs> yes, that's exactly he what lives, he did. It's like a school teacher, but he yeah. did 186 days. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he lives in. Um, he lives in. Yeah, that was a that was. That I was, think he's in Bethesda, or he's in the Chevy Chase, Georgetown there. Che- Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. I lived there. That's a nice place. I'm not a bad zip code. You can, yeah. you can do real well in Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's where he is. So. I'm glad for him, anyways, because you know um, the thing is, is that, okay, these are these are not my heroes or anything, and not, no <laughs> yeah. politician is in particular. But I must say, he hasn't done anything drastically horrible. I mean, uh, you know, Ed Markey. Lately, no, no. Here's my thing with Ed Markey. I think he's been all right. I, I think he stands for a lot of the things that I I stand for. So I, by and large, you know, support Ed Markey. But I don't think his, you know, when he when he ran for reelection. Uh, you know, there's this whole thing about how he's like the climate hero of the world and that he's going to like yeah, save the yeah. planet. And like that was largely exaggerated. I don't think he had as, you know, he, he implemented it. We haven't heard anything about that Green New Deal since he implemented it with AOC. It was very clear that one of Ed Markey's enduring political talents is knowing the way the wind's blowing. And, uh, you know, good for him on that. Um, that's a home run. You just hit a home run there because that's the truth. Because, you know, he's been in, like I said, 40 something years 
Yeah. I, I've been around, and I've been around since he got in, and I can tell you, there used to be a thing called unions, strong unions, and there used to be factories where were scab shops, and he was for the working man, believe it or not, he really mm-hmm. was. And um, see, he's had, a, he's had a lot of lives over the course of four and a half decades, mm-hmm. and um, the people got to remember, the, <laughs> he was a roll-up-your-sleeves, go-get-em guy when he started. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he had some, I think he had some pretty, he had some positions that a lot of, Democrats would find unsavory, but he, you know, he evolved and he involved on those in the right time. Like I said, I, by and large, I think most of the stuff he's for, I'm for. It's just there was a lot of exaggeration about his like impact on well, environment, on I mean, environmental stuff, an, and and I, I don't think I don't think any of that's really all that yeah. true. But if he has I the, find the exaggeration is very good, very good point. Uh, look at look at Reagan and um, uh, Trump. You know, he goes, oh, bah, 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 bah. hey, you know, Trump was a Democrat for a quarter of a century. Reagan was 20 years a Democrat. Now, what was it? When Reagan was the president of Screen Actors, Gilly switched. He changed yeah. gears, became a Republican, and never looked back. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with Trump. After 25 years of being active, a heavy donor to the Democratic Party. And the funny thing, I'll give you a little anecdotal thing. When Obama was president first term, he had a, he had a gathering in Chicago. Of course, Trump was in the audience. And he, he did a Don Rickles on Trump. He says, uh, "No, that was the Obama. that was the White House press correspondence dinner, and uh, he embarrassed him in front of everybody uh, yeah, he because says, we got a lot in common. But there's one thing that uh, makes me different from you." I'm the president of the United States. Something you'll never be. Yeah, basically, it was something to that effect. He made fun yeah, of him. He, he made yeah, fun of him pretty I'm, badly, and it was pretty clear Trump was was uh, was embarrassed by it. And I think, uh, frankly, Trump ended up getting the last laugh. But hey, listen, I got to well, hold anyway. you there. I got to take this break. Bye. I appreciate the call. Download the W tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can join me this evening. Also, taking your messages on the WBSM. App chat. We got Ross Grace. He's joining us at um at eight eight oh five, top of the hour. And uh look really looking forward to talking to Ross. He hasn't been on the program yet. Again, we gotta feature more uh school committee stuff here on South Coast tonight and uh not just here but all over the, the South Coast. But uh we'll start with Ross. Adam Bass is at the city council meeting in New Bedford. We'll um we'll see if there's anything noteworthy that comes out of that he's he'll be here after and uh you know if he writes his piece if he writes his article in time well maybe he'll uh, have time for a chat we'll see but uh i'm joined by you for the the remainder of the evening at 508-996-0500 we're just talking about this the vote in the senate to get rid of term limits for the senate president um it passed 32 to 6 most people seem to seem to agree that was the direction of going. There hasn't been a lot of internal like discussion about this, but a lot of people think that legislators should be term limited. I'm not as big on legislators being term limited as I am on executives being term limited. I just kind of see the point in some cases, you know. Um, but I think that I think executive branches is, is probably a little bit more. Um, palatable although here in massachusetts you know here in massachusetts i don't think anybody's done more than three two terms not not in my lifetime that definitely hasn't happened in my lifetime no one and and you can in massachusetts and in fact with president um they came up with two terms basically because everyone did two terms um prior to fdr uh and then fdr did four because he was so popular because everything he Wanted to pass is popular, like giving people a living wage, social security, and all that. Turns out that's popular stuff. 
they ended up, it was after he died, but, you know, it passed, was it the 25th Amendment? 24th Amendment, twenty one of those, 24th, 25th, 20, let's, mid-20s, one of the mid-20 amendments. I want to say it's 25th, but it could be 24th. If you know, let me know. I can look that up later. But, um, and I, Dwight Eisenhower was actually the first president to leave office as, you know, ter- that was term limited, basically. That was term limited um, because and uh, I believe it was Teddy Roosevelt that had said before, after he had decided not to run uh, after a second term, he had said it was basically like this unspoken thing or like this, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a gentleman's agreement to only do two terms when you're president because he really actually wanted to run again and he regretted not running, uh, running again for reelection. And in fact, he did run again Uh he did run. He did run again, um, because he was, because uh, he was upset at the job his predecessor. I mean, not his predecessor. His um, he was uh, he was upset at the job his successor William Howard Taft was doing. And so he ran again, like a third party, basically, as the progressive party. Um, that's how Woodrow Wilson got elected. And it went on from there. And then again, like I said, they, they passed the... I can't remember which amendment it is. Can someone tell me? I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's basically how term limits came to, came to be for president. There was sort of an understanding that everybody went did two terms when they were... Did two terms when they were... Um, in office as president, that's what everybody had done up until FDR had ran for four terms and got elected. And if he didn't die, a polio might have been elected for life. And so they wanted to move on from that, uh, move on from that. Uh, and so that's when they passed. Uh, it, it was after he died, but that's when they passed the um, that's when they passed that that, uh, that that amendment. And Dwight Eisenhower was the first to be actually um, actually term limited. So that's how they came up with that. And here in Massachusetts. I don't know of any governors that have run beyond two terms, um, but I think Baker would have if it wasn't for Jeff Deal. I think Baker would have run for another term. I really do. I think he would have run for a uh, third term and probably would have won. Um, I don't know if Healy jumps in if Baker doesn't. Um, if ba- you know, uh, if if Baker doesn't, it's at least a very very good election. Uh, very interesting election if they both jump in and it's a, it's you know and it's a dog fight. So um, 508-996-0500 is hanging in the program. I'm going to take a break. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. Whether you're with your... You never know who will call in the South Coast tonight. But they want to hear from you most of all. Call 508-996-0500 or use the WBSM app to send an app chat text message or leave voicemail. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. I'm reminded by um, I'm reminded by a member of the audience that um, Mike Dukakis did, did uh, more than two terms. That wasn't during my lifetime. That was two terms. More than two terms weren't during my lifetime. I think I said during my lifetime. Um, but that is correct. Uh, Dukakis was... Uh, governor from 
what, 74. He was governor in the 70s. Then he lost the primary to Edward King. And then he came back and um, he came back in the following election in like 82. Came back in 82 and won. Uh, and then he was governor from 82 until until um, 91. And then he lost, uh, you know, he, he, he campaigned unsuccessfully for the presidency of the United States. Fun fact about Dukakis, I think I mentioned this on the air a couple times, but he came to, he came to UMass. Uh, I, uh, by all accounts, everybody that I know that knows him said he's a good guy. Um, but he came to UMass Law when I was a student, and I forget what I was doing and why I was there and what he was talking about. But the one thing I did remember is he <laughs> apologized for the 1988 election. <laughs> he said, um, I'm sorry, this was back in like 2014. Right, yeah. He said, I'm sorry, guys, you got Bush. He goes, I'm sorry, guys. If I could have stopped Bush 1, you wouldn't have got Bush 2. So my fault. He lost to George um, H. W. Bush in the '92 election. So he said, "I'm sorry, guys. If you <laughs> you got Bush one because I couldn't stop him. If I stopped you, you wouldn't have got Bush two. So he did apologize for losing that election, which I thought was pretty funny. I got to take one more break to finish out the hour, and then we'll be right back. Here's what's happening this week on Towns. Uh, Ross Grease is going to be joining us at eight o'clock. So stay tuned for that. Um, Adam Bass is at the New Bedford City Council meeting. Nothing exciting going on there today, but we'll talk more. We'll talk more about that anyway. Maybe something exciting happening. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll hear from Adam Bass after he uh, gets out of the meeting. But I'm here with you until ten o'clock. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can join me this evening. I'll see you guys on the other side of the 8 o'clock hour with school committee member Ross Grace. And that's it. Stay tuned.